Some of us grew up in families or communities where preserving the status quo was the ultimate goal. I was raised by good people and communities. You were expected to get married, have babies, and stay in one place. And in farming communities like the one in which I was raised, the good life had a highly repetitive nature with the same tasks day after day, season after season, and year after year, dictated mainly by the weather and the watchful eye of neighbors and family. I'm Karen King, President and CEO of Spawn Ideas in Anchorage, Alaska, and while I'm grateful for an upbringing that was pastoral in every definition of the word, my life turned out very differently. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world, The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's dig into three questions. What is something that you've learned recently, either personally or professionally, that has surprised you? Something that I've learned recently, professionally, though it applies in our personal lives as well, is is how important it is to get comfortable with change. The change in the advertising industry, which is the one that I work in, in the agency that I work in specifically, where new and bright talent and and sort of changing things up and keeping up and staying ahead is so important. And of course, change in terms of how we all view our world in these um, somewhat unsettling times. I mean, change is like the only constant and and especially in marketing, especially in creativity. How do you manage that? Well, change is a constant, but I think we all want to control things, right? We want to control our lives, how we're perceived, maybe the people around us, the resources that we have, etc. So how do we manage with change as the constant? And for me, and I think for the agency here, our determination is to punch above our weight. And punching above our weight means to sort of surprise and delight people that an agency that's based in Anchorage, Alaska, that has an office in Denver and a small one in Seattle as well, that we surprise people. And that is because we are adamant about reaching. Punching above your weight is about reaching and always trying to do things differently, always trying to shake things up, always challenging your people to find out what's in them. What's the biggest praise you've ever received and why was it important to you and what did you learn from it? You know, the biggest praise I ever received is an award that I received. There's actually two things that come to mind. There's an award that I received, which is something that is um, a part of the Chamber of Commerce on a national basis. And they award women in communities for mentoring other women, something called the Athena Award. And classes of Athena Award recipients are announced or or awarded yearly. But Every year, there's sort of this super Athena where they look at past Athenas, and there are hundreds of them, even here in Anchorage, Alaska, and they choose one to be that leadership Athena. It's called the Athena Leadership Award. And I was at the Athena luncheon last year, and I was I think I was texting on my phone because work is always present, so not paying as much attention as I might have been at that point because I didn't think I had a prayer of receiving that award, and my name was announced. And when my name was announced, I was shocked, and I mean really shocked, and honestly afterwards so pleased that I was shocked because who wants to think? that you're entitled or, you know, I think it's something about my upbringing that says it's good to be surprised. You should never expect things like that, although you work very hard to be recognized, I guess, for for the things that are important to you. But it was one of those things where 
People always say I'm so humbled, and, and it feels like such a pat thing to say, but that day I truly felt what that meant, to be humbled. Oh, my gosh, that is very cool. Surprises are nice. Surprises are nice. Can I tell you about another thing that I really, uh, really high praise for me? Uh, of course. Yeah. For high praise for me was um, I once, I've had more than one person tell me this, but somebody told me once that I was always game. And I just was so pleased with that because always game means you're ready to try things. You're ready to get out there and push yourself physically or mentally. That's a, such a piece of respect and admiration for someone if you feel like they're always game. And so I hope that for the rest of my life, I can still be perceived as someone who's always game. I like that. What's your biggest love affair? Why is that? Well, I have a love affair with Alaska, and uh, that can sound like something that people might... No, 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 no. I get that. No, no, no. It's it, uh, For people listening, oh, that's a that's a thing. <laughs> It is a thing, but there's a lot of mystique here. People are mystified. It's on their bucket list, all those sorts of things. But I will tell you that it will surprise even people who have it on their bucket list what it's truly like here. Um, it is not the backwards kind of place that some people might think. There are no S, you know, um, igloos that we're living in. It is a progressive place here in Anchorage. We are one of the most diverse cities in the nation. One of our schools is absolutely the most diverse in the nation. Young people grow up here with friends from all kinds of ethnicities and cultures as though it's normal. Plus, it's, of course, gorgeous. It challenges you physically. The people are incredibly unpretentious and open-hearted. I mean, I'm from Minnesota, and Minnesota Nice is how I sort of grew up. And let me tell you, uh, Minnesota Nice has got nothing on Alaska Nice. People are really special here. As a native Minnesotan myself, I can... Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just heard it in your voice. <laughs> yeah... Uh, born in Edina. Yup. Uh, no, I, I've heard that. And that was part of the reason that I came to Oregon as well, because it did remind me of, of Minnesota. And to your point, no, we don't uh, ride around in covered wagons out here, too. So we get the same thing in Oregon sometimes. <laughs> Let's go to the must list. Let's start with a must-do. What is a must-do? A must-do in my life. I said something with a group of women that I was sort of thrown together with this summer. I was at a client's lodge, and they had their first-ever women's event. And they had invited women from the telecom and television industry. And we all were connected by really one person, but we didn't know each other. And there, was a, there were maybe a dozen of us there. And, you know, it's a little bit intimidating. Many of these women are president and CEOs of large companies, been very involved on large boards. And one of the things they asked one day, because there were topics for every luncheon, um, which turned out to be amazing, an amazing way to connect us all. But one of the luncheon topics was sort of a must-do kind of thing. And I was listening to these women talk about amazing things. And I said, when it came to my turn, be mindful be accountable, and do good. And they started to call it the MAG, Mindful, Accountable, Good. And strangely and really pleasantly, 
women, again, that I didn't know until having connected with them during that, that few days at the lodge, women brought this up months later in emails, that that was something they sort of put on their list, the mag rule. So I, I think that's, that's a must-do, to be mindful of yourself, be mindful of others, to hold yourself and others accountable, and then most of all, to, to do good in the world. Absolutely. What's a must experience? You know, I'm going to say that a must experience in my life has been to travel to other places and experience other cultures, to challenge yourself with other languages. Just open up your world by doing that thing, which is, again, oftentimes a thing that makes you uncomfortable. But having been there and seen things and created those memories and lived that um, experience with people that you love, whether friends or family, is, I think, something that just makes you grow as a person and you take that back to wherever you came and, and hopefully you share some of what you learned with other people. Well, and what's interesting is where you live, too. I mean, that's the, you touched on that. The cultural side of that just cannot be underscored. I mean, it's, it's, it's just got to be nice to be in a place where there's that microcosm on a daily basis. And I would think that that would make you appreciate travel a little bit more. You know, Alaskans are travelers. They're big travelers because we're geographically distant, right? And, and we also have a lot of people in Alaska who work seasonally on the North Slope in the oil fields or in construction. And then they take off, and many people take a winter off and spend it in Taiwan or somewhere wonderful. Um, Alaskans also zip over to Hawaii because it's our closest warm spot, about five hours away. And if you don't go to Hawaii in the winter, you feel completely left out. I'm feeling rather left out myself this year. But yeah, you're right. Culture is really important here. And so recognizing it in other places, I can, I can totally see the connection be, between um, that appreciation. What's a must read? You know, I have a friend named Dave Norton, and he has a business called Stone Mantle. And he does branding and many, many other things. But he wrote a book a year or so ago called Digital Context 2.0. And that book is the result of his work on something he calls the, the digital collaboratives. And he gets a number of people together. I guess anybody can really participate. And they get together and they do an offsite. They bring their family and they talk about where the world is going from a communication standpoint. And, and of course, the focus is, is so much on digital. And the interesting thing about digital context for me is that he is going beyond what marketers might think of in terms of demographics and psychographics, which lead to audience personas. And he's talking about something called mode. And he talks about how marketers can cross personas or audience segments or demographics by finding the modes that people are in when they want to get a job done. And getting a job done might be planning or organizing, or it might be just um, playing. But if you can reach different kinds of people in the similar mode, it's a very efficient way to market, and it's a very relevant way for them to hear your message. And so I'm digging in deeper in that. I'm going to read that book a second time. We're actually applying it here at the advertising agency at Spawn. And I, I think it's a little bit of brilliance. Yeah. And, you know, it's good to, it's good to get out of our, again, it's, it's so funny kind of getting out of the daily or predictable thing, going back to that notion of surprise. I'm sure that you were like, oh, it's, you know, a lot of these marketing books are great, but this is something that takes us out of the comfort zone. 
you know you have a good book when you want to read it cover to cover because most of you, like most of us, we sort of skim through the books and try to hit the high points, and hopefully we come away with something great. And I've got a bookshelf full of those, and this one is one I'm going to read again. Awesome. What's a must-learn? A must-learn for me, and I heard someone say that their father told them this recently, and that is that you can accomplish more in life by saying no than saying yes. And that may not sound like a positive thing, but if you think about it, we are all tasked or asked to do so much in our life, and it's hard and honestly not um, very fruitful to say yes to everything, because if you're busy saying yes to everything, you can't focus on the things you ought to be saying yes for. So really be discerning, learn to say no, so that you can concentrate on the important yeses in your life. What's a question you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you, and what would that answer be? You know, I'm not a person who really sort of strangely likes to talk about myself that much, but I would like someone to ask me maybe the the greatest gift I've ever been given. And that, to me, is sort of being parented with boundaries. If you have the right kind of healthy boundaries around you when you're a child, first of all, you always feel safe. You don't get entitled you tend to learn to figure it out, and I've, you've heard me say the word resourceful already, and it's a big thing here at the agency to, to always be resourceful. But if you don't learn through a little bit of struggle, if you don't learn independence and decency and resilience and you know adaptability, you don't really sort of self-discover who you are, and you don't learn what you're capable of in the context of the world outside of the family unit, but with still in the safety of that family unit in initially. I mean, there's a big difference between structure and restrictions. Structure allows you to, to breathe a little bit. Restrictions just, you know, clamps it down. So, that, I mean, that's a clear distinction that needs to be made, and especially with what, with what we do as well. Structure is underrated for so many people. And while I don't advocate, you know, structure all of the time, I think structure in those formative years, it's those boundaries that help you to bounce out of the structure and, like I said, discover who you are and, and create a life for yourself that um, makes you independent. Here's where I compliment you. I did not know about the Minnesota thing, but that just endeared me to you even more. <laughs> well, you're a cake eater from Edina, so I'm not sure it goes both ways. <laughs> I, I'll hold on. Hold on. I was born in Edina. I didn't live in Edina. I am not a cake eater. And for those of you in Minnesota, you know what that means. <laughs> so, all right. So I was born in Edina. I didn't live in Edina. So for all the Minnesotans out there, you know what that cake eater thing means. And I was not a cake eater, although I did live in Deep Haven. So it was maybe mild cake eating. Um but what I appreciate, and, and I've been in Oregon for 24 years and have known friends and colleagues who are from Alaska. And what I've appreciated most about those people, and by extension what you're doing is, and it, obviously it's been very well documented in our conversation, is that your pride in Alaska is unbelievably obvious I mean, that's, that's, that can't be denied. But what I appreciate is, and I, and I love this, I love the fact that people like you, and specifically you, are saying, you know what? We can do world-class work here. We do things differently, 
but don't ignore us. Don't don't just think that we're tucked away in in the top part of this country, in this very vast, beautiful land. Take a closer look at us, and not just take a closer look at us at the agency. Take a closer look at what is happening up here, and see and give yourself an opportunity to see what that means and what that could potentially mean. I have to think that a major, large, big brand might want to take a look and say, wow, we've been doing it the same way. And that's not to say that we're going to just all of a sudden stop working with people in New York or stop working with people in LA or San Francisco, but maybe we should go take a look up there and see if that's something that can really change us because we talk about disruption. That's a word we love throwing around. I can't think of anything more disruptive than taking a chance, taking that Alaska flight up to Anchorage and getting yourself in front of not just you, but what Alaska has to offer. And so what I appreciate and what I love is that Alaska is a foundation, but it doesn't define you in terms of the work. It defines you as people, which I think is great, but it doesn't necessarily define you in the work. And that's where I compliment you. Is that is that an accurate statement? I think that's really well said. You know, the people here are these resolute people who are be, who are proud of their independence and proud of being different and being brave enough to choose a different place to live their life. They're proud of choosing lifestyle and and my first attraction here was the people talked recreation first and jobs second, and wow, was that attractive to a stressed-out girl who traveled every week on an airplane, right? So, uh, you know, I think we do think about things differently, and one of the things we really focus on at Spawn is to communicate to people that— what we do outside, these aggressive outdoor pursuits that we do. I was the captain of a 37-foot boat, you know, for 10 years of my life. And that's, you know, everybody has a story like that here. And we like to talk about what we do out there and what it brings to our work. Because if you're out there, again, having to be resourceful, having to maybe do some life and death things, having to really figure out what you're made of, and you bring that into your work. I had a consultant once say that she'd much rather be working with somebody who was ready to climb Denali than was a fantasy football person or nothing. Not that there's anything wrong with that, right? But somebody who's, you know, the armchair quarterback, right? Versus the person who gets out there and then brings that passion and that drive and that energy and that stamina to the work. And I think that's something that you'll see here. We have a a young guy who who joined the agency about a year ago who always says he has a chip on his shoulder about Alaska. And what he means about that is he graduated from college here, had a job, then went and got a master's degree um, in a program that was a combination of John Hopkins and University of Maryland. And came back to Alaska because he wanted to show people that we can punch above our weight, that it can come from here. I know architects who say they're better schooled at a lot of their work by having worked in Alaska because of the challenges they face in a cold climate. So they're actually doing more progressive work, not less progressive work. So yes, don't think you won't be surprised by the people you meet here, the things you see. It is uh, an amazing place, and I'm glad that you hear the pride that and the pride in the way that we talk about it because we are very proud that we are bigger than the state of Texas. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, right? (laughs) Every guest on the show gets a chance for a minute or two to talk about something that's on their mind, 
whatever they'd like. So without further ado, the floor is yours. I've been thinking a lot, as I'm sure a lot of people have been recently, about how the world is so divided and and polarized. And, you know, there's a company called Mintel. They're, um, they're a trends and attitudes firm, an international firm, and they call it the echo chamber of secrets, if you've ever heard that phrase. But that's sort of us leaving, living in our bubbles, and then we have lack of diversity and diverse ideas in our life, and, um, you know, we're polarized, and, and we don't listen to things that we don't want to hear about. It's sort of, I sort of make it hold it akin to when I was a child growing up in in the farming community in Minnesota, you didn't read the headlines of the paper because it had nothing to do with you. You know, what was close and right around you is what you paid attention to. And you absolutely ignored the headlines in the paper. And I just hate to see our our world, you know, becoming that sort of ostrich in the sand kind of thing. So, so I'm promoting personally and in my own life, trying to get out of my own box and, and meet people and talk to people. There's a 92-year-old I've been taking to events recently because I met him through Rotary, and he's an interesting guy, and he needs more social in his life. And I'm happy to take this lovely, gracious man out and learn from him and And I have a book club of people that I don't see outside a book club. And they're different than me, but I enjoy that. I've been with that book club for years. And we see each other pretty much in book club. So just stretching yourself beyond that echo chamber of secrets that we all tend to get in is something that's been on my mind lately and something I'm very mindful about continuing. To wrap up the show, we ask for one more piece of wisdom or advice. So what is your final word? I think my final word is to think about the difference between courtesy and respect. And that, has, that goes back to what we were just talking about a little bit, too. But a lot of us even find it hard to be courteous. But sometimes even courtesy can be sort of a, almost a a pretend or a superficial kind of thing. And and we all do each other a much better service if we go beyond courtesy. Be courteous, yes, but actually respect people. And that's very obvious to them when we do respect them, when we ask them questions. And asking questions is the art of conversation, and it shows a respect for the person you're talking to. And so get beyond the, you know, screen time and, you know, the kinds of things that we now call social recreation and and talk to human beings and, and get yourself outside of your box. I love it. Karen, thank you so much for taking the time. I was really looking forward to this. Congratulations, you are our first guest from Alaska, and I can guarantee you that you will not be the last, but we appreciate you taking the time and best wishes for continued success. Well, thank you so much, and it has been absolutely my pleasure. Nice meeting you, Doug. <laughs>